And let's pray before we get into God's word. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. Thank you for its leadership and its guidance over our lives. And I pray that as we study it and as I preach on it this morning, that it would go forth and do exactly what you desire for it to accomplish. God, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and minds to understand what it is you're calling us to this Christmas season. We give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we have been camping in a single story from Matthew's gospel about Jesus' birth. And, and I hope you like this as much as I enjoy it. I love that I'm not changing my text today. It's been my text for the last three weeks. I love that I can read these verses over and over and over and over again and pull out something fresh three weeks in a row. I love, I love when I can study. Uh, uh, these are, this is like seven verses, and we've been chewing them for the last three weeks. And, and I hope that you have been enjoying that, and it's not just me, um, because we've been putting this, this telling of Jesus's birth story under a microscope. We've been looking at different angles and we've been kind of examining the significance of every small but significant detail. And so the first week we looked at Jesus' birth from a messy lens. The perspective of Mary and Joseph, who, who were this young couple, ready to get married and start their new life, and then God interrupts their plans. Come on, how many know when God interrupts your plans, it's for your benefit, not, not you know, he, his ways are higher than our ways. And he upends their story, but invites them into God's story. And, and what, what an honor, we look at it because it's not our lives, and we think, what an honor! What an amazing thing! But it's not without its hiccups. Because while Mary and Joseph get to bring the Savior into human history, they also have to endure the shame from their neighbors who think they couldn't wait till the marriage bed. They couldn't, they couldn't resist lust, and they, they, and they had to just take that on the chin. And while their story added value and understanding to Jesus' story, we have to remember that they're not the main characters in Matthew's telling of the birth of Christ. And then we covered the importance of knowing God as Emmanuel, God with us. And encapsulated in the name Emmanuel is the reconciliation between God and man, a closeness that hadn't been experienced since the fall in the garden, a relationship that hadn't been as intimate since sin entered the world, a fall that severed the connection between God and his creation, an intimacy lost, an intimacy that couldn't be recovered by the blood of an animal. It could, be, it could be overlooked, but it could never be obliterated. 
It could never, it could never fully cleanse us of our sins. It served only as a temporary tie to connect God and humanity. Yet, in the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. The tie of animal sacrifice is no longer needed. Because what was lost in the garden was going to be recovered on the cross. Come on, somebody. But before the cross was the cradle. At the crib side of baby Jesus, a new hope was established. That we would no longer do life on the sidelines, but excuse me, that God would no longer do life with us on the sidelines, but rather he would do life with us as Emmanuel, God with us. And this morning, we're going to look at the most impactful part of the story. Because the rest of human history hinges on this detail. A detail that we have passed by twice as we looked at Matthew's telling of, of Jesus' birthday. This particular part is so important that if it were omitted the birth story of Jesus would be emptied of its power and purpose. Let's see if you can identify it as I read it. Matthew 1, 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph being a just and an unwilling a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly but as she considered the as he, excuse me as he considered these things behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not fear to take mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the holy spirit she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus the Savior. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is the gospel in a nutshell. Jesus, the name above all names. I forgot I put that one in there. <laughs> Go Jesus, it's your birthday. <laughs> Jesus, the name above all names, stepped into darkness to redeem that which was lost and ransom a people from their captor, sin. This is, this is the most significant part of this story because if this detail is removed from Matthew, Matthew's gospel, it loses its power. 
If it's removed, we still have the virgin birth. We still have the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophetic words, and we still have Emmanuel, God, with us. But we don't have a Savior. We would still find ourselves caught in the snare of sin's grip. We need the Savior side of the story. We need the Redeemer side of the story. And that's why it's important that we tell the story of Jesus every year during Christmas. That's the significance because when I think about it, babies don't do anything. Babies are dependent on their parents to survive. And so while we celebrate the birth of Jesus, he hasn't done anything yet. But that cradle is the gateway to the cross. And so the significance of telling and retelling the birth story of Jesus is not about eight pound, three ounce baby Jesus in his golden fleece diapers. It's not about that. It's about the man. He had a beard. Because without the, he will save his people from their sins part of the story, we're still a people without hope. The Emmanuel, God with us piece is important because it piggybacks on the salvation of sins part of the story. How many of you know you can, you can have someone with you and still be powerless in the moment? I was thinking about how would I illustrate this, and, and I thought about when I was a soccer coach. You guys are picturing me in my small little shorts, you know, <laughs> knee-high socks. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> I hope not. But I was... <laughs> I was the I was the excited coach. Nah, not not me. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I was the coach screaming from the sidelines, organizing my players, telling them to stay on side, ch- ch- chiming out these secret codes. Like I would say, like Rupert, which what w- meant to like kick the ball to the right side of the field, and Luigi to kick the ball to the left side of the field so that my players knew when I called out Rupert, they knew that the right side of the field was open. And when I called out Luigi, people were like, we're in Dunville. Who's Luigi out there? (laughs) But here's the thing. If if, If we were to record the game and you were to watch the tape, you wouldn't see me in the game at all. You wouldn't see my influence. I was there, but I wasn't helping. I couldn't control any aspect of the game. And this is the significance, this is the difference between God being with us, coaching from the sideline, but when we have Jesus coming to save us from our sins, That's Jesus tying up his cleats. 
That's Jesus putting some skin in the game. That's Jesus putting his life on the line. And there's a difference between being with us and being with us. Come on, somebody. That's the reason why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It has nothing to do with him as a baby, but has everything to do with what that baby would do for us. And this is the whole gospel. (laughs) This is the whole gospel. You and I needed saving. You and I were incapable of saving ourselves. We needed saving. We needed a savior. And Jesus responded to our need. You shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His people. And I love that, his people. Because all we need to do to become his people is to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Can I tell you, I pray that prayer Almost, I'm going to say, 20 times a day. I just say, Jesus, I need you. It doesn't, I I can't, I'm not even working on anything difficult or extreme. I'm just walking. I'll be walking from my, my house to the church and I'll just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Because that is the biggest revelation that you and I will ever receive in our lives. Jesus, I need you. And then from there, we get to understand that Jesus paid our price. Jesus took our place. Jesus redeemed our lives. And I need us not to lose the significance of this thread. Because it's that knowledge that allows us to live in intimacy of relationship with God, Emmanuel with us. See, if we were to lose the redemptive side of the story of Jesus' birth, we'd be people without joy, without hope, without peace, without love. If we, if we lose the birth story of Jesus, we lose what all four of those candles represent. And I struggle with how do I articulate that? How do we communicate to a people who who know the peace of God, who know the love of God, who know the joy of God, who know the hope of God? How do you communicate what life would look like if they didn't experience that ever? If human history were rewound and Jesus' birth was removed from it, You know what I liken it to? If we lived our life without any light other than the sun, if there was no moon in the star and there was no moon in the sky and no stars in the skies and there was no, there was no light resources, no headlights to drive your car at night, no house lights to turn on, do you know if, there was, if only the sun existed as our light source, we would have only nine hours of light 
every day. 15 hours of complete darkness. Have you ever been into a place so dark that you can't see your hand in front of your face? Were you comfortable? I, 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 I was trying to think about when I've been in those places, and there's, I used to catch chickens, so sometimes those chicken barns, you go in, and they are dark. And then I thought about um, haunted houses. And you know, you go into a pitch black room, you can't see your hand in front of your face, and you know there's something that's going to scare you in there. That's what you signed up for. But in that moment, when you've been in those places, it's amazing how afraid you are. Because you don't know what's there. And that's what I think it's like without Jesus. It's a state of constant fear. It's a state of constant hopelessness, helplessness, joyless, peaceless, loveless, emptiness. That's what I think it's like when we don't have Jesus. And here's the thing, I've been in a place before Jesus. A place before I gave my heart to the Lord. And you know what? It's only in the light that I get to see how dark I really was living. It's only under the reflection of the cross of Christ that I actually get to see the darkness that I thought was life. It's rare for us to experience that feeling because we have so much light around us. We, we forget what the darkness feels like. I, uh, I just changed the curtain in my office in the parsonage. I used to have this curtain that was a little see-through and so it would let light in. And I changed it to a blackout curtain and I tucked it into every corner and now I hate going into my office because I'm like, I can't, I can't see anything. That's what I imagined the weight of sin would feel like if the light of heaven didn't step down into darkness. See, we don't bring animals to sacrifice to, to make our relationship with God. And so we've never experienced the weight of being disconnected from Christ. Because the Bible says that, that in the end times, they won't need to go here or there. They'll know me in their heart. They'll know me through creation. They'll know me through relationship. So we live in a post-advent, post-cradle, post-crossed, post-grave period of time. And we see exactly what Isaiah described and Jesus talked about. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them the light has dawned. We live in a time of light. 
And here's the thing. If we're living a life without Jesus in it, you're still living in darkness. If we're living a life without Jesus in it, we're still living in darkness. And I, and I was trying to think again, how do you articulate that? Because I think people living without Jesus can look at the world around them and say, something isn't right. Something is, is off here. You might see the brokenness. You might see the shame. You might see the sin. The sin. But until we recognize Jesus as the leader of our lives, we're still caught in the darkness. We still only see glimpses. It's only under the light of Christ do we realize that we're caught in sin. It's only by accepting Jesus as Lord that we remove the shackles from our eyes and we're able to see the truth. Sin has enslaved the world. Wow, Pastor Steve, really a hopeful message. <laughs> but here's the, here's the answer to it. Jesus says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. So over the next week or so, or maybe a little longer, maybe a little shorter, you and I are going to be a part of celebrations. We're going to attend parties. We're going to rip open presents. We're going to be surrounded by family and friends. But the reason why we gather has nothing to do with what's wrapped under the tree. And has everything to do with the light of the world stepping down into darkness to save a people that needed saving. So when I've read this over and over and over again, I find that verse 21 is the most significant. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why we celebrate baby Jesus. That's why we gather in these houses and worship God. Because he came, light of the world, you step down into darkness. So here's my challenge to everyone under the sound of my voice. Sometime, sometime during the festivities and the fun, stop and open your Bible. Read Matthew's story of Jesus' birth. Read Luke's story of Jesus' birth. Read Mark's, actually I don't know if Mark really goes into it. Read John's story of Jesus' birth. And John takes some liberties. Because he says that the word became flesh. I love that. John's so poetic. I bet he was a musician. Read the words of the, of the original Christmas story. The starting, the very beginning of why we celebrate 
and make his presence the point of the presence. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for saving us from our sins. Thank you for for stepping down and paying my price for my guilt, for my shame, for my mess-ups and my mistakes. Thank you that you don't hold them against us, but you lovingly release us from them. God, help me to look more like you today than I did yesterday and help me to look more like Jesus tomorrow than I do today. God, we recognize in this house that we need Jesus. And I pray that as we celebrate the birth of Christ over this next week, over Christmas, that we would give you glory. We would give you honor. We would give you praise. And we would make space at our tables, at our Christmas celebrations, and with our family for you, Jesus, because you are the point of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you have a blessed week.